and we are continuing our series, Repost, where we talk about how we gospel, what we love. Last week, we talked about evangelism. Evangelism um, means sharing the gospel, and that's our God-given duty. So last week, we talked about why we share the gospel, but this week, I want to talk about how we share the gospel. And so hopefully, or probably not, some of y'all remember these verses from last week. These four verses are from the book of Romans. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10, 9 through 10. And these four verses together are called the Romans Road. They're quick and easy verses to remember that help you share the gospel. They are Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then Romans 5.8 is, but God shows his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then finally, the good news in Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, these are not the only verses that describe the gospel, but they're a very quick and easy thing to remember, a good tool to put in your toolbox. There's no point in carrying around a toolbox if you aren't going to try to help fix something. And since all have fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore we all now face the consequences of death, if we all need, have, need something in us to be fixed. And thankfully, a lot of people in this room have that fixed, and that's, of course, Jesus Christ. But not everybody has that. And so because of that, us who do have, have the solution and to sin, we are now obligated to, to share that solution. But see, in order to share that solution, we need to know who needs it and who doesn't. And sometimes it can be hard to tell who is a follower of Christ and who is not. But see, Galatians 5, 17 through 25 tells us how can we identify someone who is unsaved or is saved. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what, the sinner, of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are led by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So now that's a, a lot of verses, a lot of knowledge, that's kind of shoved in your face. So let's unpack it if, if slowly. In verse 17, Paul writes that we have a, central, a sinful nature within ourselves. And see, this sinful nature is referred to as the flesh. And the flesh and the Holy Spirit are a constant war within a believer. If someone does not have the Spirit, then the flesh has no opponent and will prevail in someone's life. It's like showing up to a football game, basketball game, chess match, track meet, or any sport, other sport you guys play, and not having anyone to go against. It's an automatic win for the enemy. Yeah, but how do we know if someone really does have spirit within them? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, and we can tell who they are by their fruits. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes 
or figs from thistles? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, you'll recognize them by their fruits. And so, oh, Jesus tells us that their fruits will show what they really are. See, one of my least favorite fruits is a banana. It tastes horrible to me. Oh. See, it's disgusting. I don't know why anyone will eat, the, eat these. I get, why do you eat the inside? This is part of fruit. You're supposed to eat it. But see, does someone here, do people here like bananas? Like, raise your hand if you like bananas. Hmm. Let's see. Hey, can y'all show me how to eat a banana the correct way? See, I need two people to show me how to eat a banana. See, Mason, I need you for this. Carson, can I trust you to show me how to eat a banana? All right, I'm trusting you, okay? There we go. I need y'all. Here, come up here real quick. Come onto my sides. Shoulder to shoulder, that's right. There we go. Follow the trend. All right, there we go. I want you guys to see who can show me how to eat a banana the quickest and the best way possible. Like, eat it actually, like. Eat it, yeah. Okay. What else would you do with it? <laughs> Throwing a crown? It's, it's not Mario Kart. I thought I just had to show you. Now I gotta eat it? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's what you're volunteering for. Okay, but let's get it. All right, ready? Three, two, one, ka chow. What was that? <laughs> what do you mean? It's a banana. It's a little green. I'll give you that. See, I'm colorblind, but I can still tell that's green. Come on, Mason, it's not that hard. He's already Fortnite dance on you. I'll see. You got a banana everywhere. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a banana. It, it, it tastes fine, yeah. <laughs> there, Carson, did you eat the banana? Mm-hmm. Sw- oh, you got to finish swallowing. <laughs> oh, you think Carson won? All right, hey, good game, good game. Shake hands. Y'all did well. good. Everybody give him a hand. Now hug it out, hug it out. There you go. So Mason, real quick, real quick. How was that? Pretty terrible. Pretty terrible? Why? Why, why is that? It was like... Hey, in my defense, I did have a smaller one. He had like a really big yeah, banana. That's true, that's true. You had a banana. Like but Mason, can I tell you a real reason why you lost? Why? That's not a banana. Really? So that's what we call a plantain. You guys can sit down. Good job, boys. <laughs> <laughs> See... So I just found this out a few weeks ago, because I don't eat fruits and veggies, so this is still pretty new to me. Yeah, a plantain is a fruit that looks just like a banana in every way, but inside are incredibly different. As Mason can tell you, inside a plantain, it's more like a potato. It's very starchy, it's super crunchy, and it tastes disgusting, and what you're actually supposed to do with it is actually you're supposed to grill it for 20 minutes. But see, the reason why I show you guys a banana and a plantain is because I don't think us as people are that different. See, on the outside, we all look, look very similar. Most of us have two arms, two legs. Most of us have heads, or should. But, but on the inside, we're very much different. So on the inside, again, you either have, have two things, the spirit or the flesh. And of course, as Galatians 5 tells us, 
uh, that the markers of the flesh are sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, or sins like these. Of course, no one's perfect, and hopefully you have to start squirming your seats a little bit because you read that and, and think that, oh, I might have some of those sins in my life. But see, hopefully you guys have the Holy Spirit as well to counteract that. And see, just like how a, banana, a, a plantain is really good at disguising as a banana, a lot of people are also really good at disguising themselves as, as Christians. See, a lot of people know how to talk the church talk. They know the church lingo. They know oh, how to act when around certain people. But really, inside, they're bitter and rotten. And the true marks of a believer are this. Someone who believes, proclaims, and lives, lives for Jesus Christ. And their fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But just like how Mason couldn't tell now it's a banana until we opened it up, we can't tell who people are unless we get to open them up and see what they're really like. Now, I'm not talking about surgery at all. I'm talking about what they're like on the inside, spiritually. And see, in order to get to know that person, we have to build a relationship with them. That means spending time with them. That means trying to hang out with them. And see, all that is required to share the gospel. And it's a lot of work. You guys might be wondering, why do you have to do all that to share the gospel? Because I think a lot of times our assumption is, is that most people will come to church, hear Rusty or somebody preach, and then and they'll choose where or not to follow Christ. But many people have come to Christ that way. Thousands, if not millions of people, have come to Christ that way. But one thing that's very interesting to me is that most true believers of Christ, most followers of Christ, come to know Christ through a different way. Either through a friend, a relative, a work associate, or a neighbor, share them the gospel and walk them through what it means to be a believer. A friend, relative, associate, or neighbor. And see, as Christ went to heaven, that's how most people have come to know who he is. And here's why I think that is. By the time I'm done speaking today, within one hour, you guys will forget about 50% of what I have said here today. And within 48 hours, maximum, you guys will remember about 5 to 10% of what I said. And for our middle schoolers, it'll be about 5%. And see, when the gospel was shared that way, it's great. It's still a victory. But it doesn't keep it in here for a long time. This past week, our middle school students got to go down to Hickory to have a new church called Equip Church. And part of us serving and learning how to serve was also learning how to do outreach and evangelism in our community. One of our pastors, Jonathan Huff, said this, we intend to make evangelism overcomplicated. A lot of it is just sharing what God has done in your life. See, if God has done something in your life, you have something worthy to share. You don't need some crazy story to, in order to make an impact. I think a lot of times we have this assumption that you need some crazy story, something going from crime to Christ, in order to have an actual influence in people's lives. But the reality is, there are several people in your lives who are going through very similar things that you're going through. The only difference is, they don't have Christ to lean on. And when you get to share Christ with them, you're pointing them to the one person who actually can help them, the one person they actually can and lead on to satisfy those needs inside them, and need for the gospel. And before we go any further, I want to clarify this. Building a relationship with somebody does not mean that we do the same things they do or approve of the things they do. Naturally, our human instincts tell us that if we're trying to find common ground with somebody, hey, we're going to try to find it any way possible. And if that's like something fun you love doing, hunting, fishing, 
any sports, video games, find that common ground. That is very good. That's a great outlet for sharing the gospel. But one thing I make clear, never use sin in order to share the gospel. Never use sin as a common ground. If I take a glass of water and pour dirt in it, that water is automatically contaminated and not good for drinking. And so in the same way, so is the gospel. If you put sin or anything else in the gospel, it's automatically contaminated, perverted, and polluted. It can't be shared. And also, oh, since you guys are at the age where guys and girls start to each other, right now most of you guys are single opposite sides of the room, but in high school you guys are going to want to change that. I don't know. I want to throw this out here too. When we date someone in the hopes that they'll follow Christ, most of the time, 99% of the time, it does not work. They might go to church with you, they might share a verse with you, they might pray with you, but are just trying to get to you and not to Christ. And therefore you yourself are being deceived, and also they're being deceived themselves or what they're following. And when that breakup does come, they're going to start associating that heartache with Christ in the church or being less likely to follow them. And that's why 2 Corinthians 6.14 tells us to not be unequally yoked with the unbeliever. So do not be unwise and date unbeliever. Make sure that your intentions are pure when sharing the gospel. And when it comes to sharing the gospel, as intimidating as we are by that, imagine how intimidating that must be for an unbeliever. Because the people who don't know Christ and people who don't know the intention of the church a lot of times our message can feel like, hey, believe what we believe or suffer eternally. And of course, if you don't follow Christ, the consequences of sin are suffering eternally, but they don't understand that our message is out of pure love and that that's why Christ came down is to rescue them from that. Has anyone here ever heard the phrase stranger danger? I'll tell you a few more hands will be up than that. That's a vi- there we go. Thank you, boys. That is a very good, a good saying. It's something that we all, all follow. But to an unbeliever, someone that does not know us, we are the stranger and therefore are the danger. Before I came to know Christ, I'll go to church on Wednesdays, on Sundays, but I'll still pray suspicious of the church. For years, people will try to get me to come to Wednesday church and get more plugged in, but I was very convinced not to go. No matter how many good reasons they gave me, I always had an excuse or a way out of it. And it wasn't until a friend from school, who was in a few of my classes, who really looked after me, that after he invited me several times, I decided to come to church. Our relationship was pretty simple. It was just we shared snacks in class, ate lunch together, maybe hung out a few times. That's now that was it. But for months, out of love, he kept saying, Ben, I want you to come to groups with me. Ben, I think you need this. Ben, I think you enjoy this a lot. And after he did that for months, I finally caved in and said yes. And I would have never done that unless I trusted him. There's a quote that says, if someone believes you truly love them, you can say almost anything to them. And this is also found in scripture as well. Proverbs 26, 6 through 7. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the words of a friend, profuse are kisses of an enemy. Now, that's not mean you should say anything you want to them. Guys over there, don't say anything you want to your friends. But it does mean that when you do share the gospel with them, it's when you're more easily received. Because the gospel is a heavy message. It's a powerful message. And with that weight, we also need to deliver it with gentleness, and grace, and love. And once you have love, you also have some room for fear. Because we're being honest, it can be a little scary to share the gospel sometimes. It's very human for us to shy away from this responsibility. Deep down inside, we all have these, these slight insecurities and doubts that creep in. We're afraid that when we share the gospel, we're going to look dumb. We're going to look weirdly religious. We're going to or feel a bit awkward, or you feel that we might lose that friendship. Or our deepest fear, really, is that we'll be rejected or ostracized for people we won't be with. And those are normal fears. 
I don't think anyone who has shared a gospel has not had those thoughts creep in. The people who do share the gospel have set aside those fears, as they know that all those fears added up do not equal the reward or for the gospel being shared, the impact they can have in somebody's life. And the Lord wants to help us cast away those fears. In 2 Timothy 1.7, we are told that, For God gives the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When we are in the Holy Spirit, we are, prom- we are promised that. Therefore, there's no reason to have any fear or insecurities or doubts when sharing the gospel. And something that I find fascinating is the most frequent command in Scripture. By any chance, I don't think anyone will get this, but by any chance, does anyone know the most frequent command that's in Scripture? All right, that's what I thought. Oh, Mike, you know what? Oh, you're a cheater. You already know it. You went to school for this. But <clears throat> the most frequent command isn't the Ten Commandments. It's not love one another as you love yourself. Oh, those are all great and wonderful. But the most frequent command in Scripture is actually to not be afraid. And that command is almost always followed by the promise of God saying, for I am with you. We have no reason to fear. And I think if you understand these three key principles, you begin to excel and grow in your evangelism. One, know that it's not your job to be loved or even accepted by the world. Do not be mistaken and think that you have to be cool or popular to have an influence in people's lives. Do not think you need the things of this world in order to win over the world. James 4.4 tells us, you adulterous people, do not know that friendship with the world is enmity of God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If you try to please the world, you will not be an evangelist. Again, you can't put a dirt in water. If you try to be friends with the world, the gospel will go out the door. Because the world is directly against the gospel and who God is. And this is hard. I know me, myself, I'm a people pleaser. I want everyone to like me. But I have to put that aside, knowing that some people are going to reject me because of what I believe in. Because really, we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve the world and God at the same time. We have to choose a side. We can't astral defense. And number two, know that it's not your job to make them believe or follow. Your job is just to share. We are not a God. We ourselves are not Jesus. All we are are just tools that are used to point people towards Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can give conviction to someone that leads to belief. And John 16, 8 tells us that Jesus, uh, Jesus says that, and he will come, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads people to believe. He's the only one that has that power. You feel much more relaxed and much more confident in sharing the gospel when you realize that you're just a mailman, that you're just a messenger, that Jesus himself is a message. Don't put the weight on yourself to make them believe. And if someone does not believe in you share the gospel, that's not on you. That's on themselves. They make that choice. And also, when we show God's word, instead of shoving it into someone's face, the burden for the gospel becomes much lighter and much more chewable and swallowable. As Jesus is the one who's supposed to carry that weight. Jesus is the flavor. And three, know that when you do share the gospel, like I said earlier, there's no reason to fear. You can rest in knowing that when you share the gospel, you are being carried in your heavenly father's hands. My earthly father, he's back there. Everyone say, hi, Ben's dad. My dad is the best driver that I know. He was a traffic officer for 20 years. He has a CDL. He drives semi-trucks. There's no one in the world that I trust more to drive than my dad. But see, when I was learning how to drive, I did not trust myself one bit. One, I was 15, and also I had no driving experience before. But while I was learning how to drive, I had almost no fear or no doubt. So I knew no matter what happened, no matter what mistakes I made, 
my dad's going to be right there in the pastor's seat right beside me. Now, if need be, he'll, he'll direct me or guide me to fix what's going on. Or worst case scenario, he himself will grab the wheel and redirect me to where I'm supposed to go. And see, that's the same thing of our earthly father, our heavenly father. Our heavenly father, when sharing the gospel, he's going to be with us. He's going to be guiding us. He'll be directing us. He'll be instructing you in the Holy Spirit. And, and worst case scenario, he'll grab the wheel himself. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the disciples before he goes to heaven, but you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that power that we're given the Holy Spirit is the power of evangelism. The Holy Spirit is, is ready to equip and guide you. But like a gun, you have a, a gun locked and loaded, maybe you shoot it and you don't have any ammo, nothing's going to really change. Nothing's going to happen. If you, if you try to share the gospel in the Holy Spirit but aren't equipped yourself or train yourself up, nothing's going to happen. You need to have scripture back, to back you up. You need to have scripture memorized. Uh, so today, we're going to talk about it in a second. We have uh, papers in the back that Romans wrote on it just so that you guys can memorize it. But also, it's pretty awkward to take a, a paper out of your pocket and read it off to somebody when sharing the gospel. So make sure you have that uh, memorized. And be creative when you share the gospel as well. And be in prayer as well. There's a qu- quote by uh, Jerry Fall Sr. He, he says, Nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. If you really want to pour out how what you love into other people, be in desperate prayer for that person's salvation in their life. So guys, I'll be feeling a little bit more equipped to share the gospel. I cannot teach you everything that I want to teach you guys in one message. This takes time. It takes practice. Find yourself a mentor, someone to disciple you in this. And be bold, be reckless in this endeavor. Because right now is the time to start sharing. Because if you don't start now, then when will you share? Let's pray. God, thank you for today, Lord. God, thank you for everyone here, God. God, it's no mistake that you brought them here. God, it's no coincidence. Lord, you plan everything out for your glory, God. God, give us a heart full of evangelism, Lord. God, help us to not, not shy away from sharing. God, empower us of your Holy Spirit so that you may be known throughout all the ends of the earth. God, thank you. In your name I pray, amen. You are sent. All right, all right. Hey, guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to talk through this. Ben, you're going to hand those out as you walk out? Yeah. Hey, can I keep one? Keep one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen, Ben's handing out these um, Romans Road to Salvation. Just going to talk through that just really quick, and we'll get you guys out of here, um, what this is, and then where we're headed next week, too. Okay? So still a little bit early. We don't want to get you out quite yet. Okay? So um, we got this cool thing in your hands that's coming around right now. It's called a Romans Road to Salvation. This what Ben's been talking about all day is evangelism, and he's been talking about sharing your faith. Hey, what does it look like to share your faith, right? Like, how do you do it? And, and like, some of us, we're, we're good. Like, hey, I'm good at sharing what God's done, but I don't know how to point somebody to Jesus. Well, what we wanted to do, we wanted to give you guys a tool and say, hey, this is how you do it. And so Ben, with his mic, is still on. I'm going to bring Ben back up, and I'm going to let Ben talk through um, some of these verses and help us understand why they are important to helping the unbeliever uh, know it. Yeah, I got those guys, Tony. You're good. Ben, come back on up here, man. So this is Romans Road, right? And this is what you wanted us to print off. Tell us a little bit about each verse. Everybody's got one now, so yes. tell us a little bit about it, okay? So it prints a little small, but hopefully you guys don't need glasses to see it. So Romans <laughs> 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So way back in Genesis 3, he, back with Adam and Eve, 
when they decided to go against God and sin, they put a curse on all of mankind and that, that says we are separated from God. Now, some people might think, hey, oh, well, Adam and Eve sinned, not me, so I'm good. But see, because we all have a sinful nature, we have actively chose to sever ourselves from our relationship with God. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the consequences of our own actions is of sin. The wages of sin is death. And of course, we all know about the physical death, but it also means a spiritual death as well, which is much more concerning than physical death. So there's a word there that I want you to focus in on, and it's a word you guys all say, it's wages, right? What's wages. a wage, man? A, a wage is the price you have to pay. So when I go to Bojangles, I want my large fries extra season. I have to give them $3.68 for that. That's the wage I pay for those fries. You pay three sixty eight for extra seasoning? I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm, that's just a random number. <laughs> I, I thought that's out. what you were saying there. So I was like, man, that's, that's crazy. Okay. So each one of these has a main word that we have to look at, though, okay? Yes, it does. So the first one, do you remember the word for that one? F, four. Yes. Well, all, too, oh, right? Oh, all. Bad. We're going to go with all in this one, okay? And I so, remember I said acronym. I'm so sorry, So the first y'all. one, back to Romans 3.23, all have sin. So all yeah. includes who? All means all, and that's all that all means. There we go. You're crushing it now. You learned that in school. He's learning something, ladies and gentlemen. But no, everyone. So all means me. It means you. It means literally every person in this room. We've all messed up, and we all have fallen short of that glory of God, right? That's what that verse tells us. And and so what that means is there's mistakes, and somebody's got to pay that cost. That's what we just saw with the wages cost, right? So what's the cost? What's the cost? The cost is death. Death. Okay, okay. I'll let you keep going. All right, awesome. But see, you know, that's a heavy message that the wages is death. Romans 5, 8 gives us some hope. But God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we we're yet at sinners, Christ died for us. See, you know that wage is death. Christ being perfect, you know, being fully God and fully man, he decided to come down and pay that at cost for us. And of course, we still face the consequences of physical death. That's one thing we got to keep in mind. Just because we are forgiven does not mean that the consequences of our sin and don't fade away. Your sin will find you out, whether you're forgiven or not. Yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Yes, um, in Joshua. With Achan, remember? And so, but yeah, it's in Joshua, you're right. And, and so his sin and how that um, kept him down there. So, but hey, that's a beautiful thing. The, the word mm-hmm. out of this one, you want to guess? Starts with L. L, love. Love. Why is love important? Well, it's important that's what God is. God is love. God that's is love. John tells us. But he's pure too, right? He's also and so, pure and holy. Because if, if God um, was only love, then God would allow anyone into heaven, right? No. But God's also just. He's just right? as well. And, and what does it mean to be just? Just means is that and there, there is not exactly fairness. I don't want you to get just and fairness confused. But just means is that the consequences are still there because there isn't justice that everything goes and the world yeah. basically depreciates and becomes invalid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's holiness and things like that. And we talk about that and we're going to talk more about that as we go. But um, God is a just God and he's looking for holiness in his presence, right? He can't allow sin Mm -hmm. into his presence. Therefore, love is taking over. But how does love take over? That takes you to the very next verse. Go ahead. That's right. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But seeing none of that is possible without love. About of God himself being loved and coming down for us, none of that is possible. And see, the wages of sin being in death, that means that sacrifice is required. And since Jesus is perfect, and that means that he is the ultimate sacrifice to pay that price. But none of that could have happened without love. Yeah, there was a gift that was included in there. and We, mm-hmm. we kind of passed over that, not 
accidentally, but kind of purposely here. And, and that's that second part of 623 there. That gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life. Our Lord. And it comes through Jesus, right? And this is, listen, this is one of the most important things that you guys can actually know is this, is that, that the only way to eternal life, the only way to a right relationship with Jesus or with God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus too. So it's kind of, it's, you know, it's a funny thing. It's kind of like the banana, right? That's not a banana. Like, we're not... That one is, though. <laughs> this one's a banana? Yeah. I don't trust you. I'm not going to lie to you about that. <laughs> I, I'm not going to take a I, chance I gave the on other that. banana right? to Brad. Yeah, anybody want to eat a banana? Yeah, not <laughs> happening. I'm just saying, okay? But, like, like God's not trying to pull a trick here on you, right? He's mm-hmm. trying to say, hey, no, like, like, you messed up way back in Genesis 3, what you were talking about just a minute ago. Humankind messed up, and everyone ever since has sinned. Right? I've got a new baby at home, and she's precious. She's 14 days old today, which is crazy, right? Um, but she, she's got this in her, and I know it's going to come out because I've seen it with my other two already. There's this sin nature that's a part of them, and I don't have to teach them how to do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just look at her, and I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And, like, our youngest is going through it right now, and she's just pulling hair, and she's just whatever it is. It's like, where did this come from? We didn't teach you this. It's in your nature. And every single one of us, we've got this sin issue. And, and whether you're a hair puller, you're a liar, you're a cheater, um, you're a thief, whatever it is, we've all done something wrong. And, and what Scripture tells us is that one mistake, one thing separates us from God, right? I mean, that, that's what it is. Like one sin separates you. So that one sin, your one sin, sent Jesus to the cross. But the beautiful thing is he didn't stay dead. He's alive today and he loves you. And this is the beauty of the gospel is that he loves everybody and he wants everybody to experience a relationship with him. Right? There's nothing you or I can do. That's right. Right? It's all about Romans 10, 9 and 10. This part here. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. All right? There's more stuff that comes after that. There's the process of sanctification. There's more following Jesus. But right there, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to do this. What does it look like in your life right now? Like, what does your relationship with God look like? Is it missing? Because I bet you've got some questions. And the truth is, is hey, we got questions too. We've talked about this a few weeks, right? Um, it's okay to have questions. God's willing to answer those questions. But first, you have to acknowledge, hey, I'm a sinner. Next, you need to believe in Jesus, confess your sins, and commit your life to following after him. That's what this looks like. And we're going to continue in a new series starting next week, right? That's right. It's going to be, um, we're going we're gonna to take a break from the Old Testament. Well, actually, no, we're not. But we're going to take a break from where we're at. We're leaving ourselves right now at the end of Joshua, right? We're going to go into Judges in August or somewhere around there. But we're going to jump into the book of your favorite prophet. Oh, I'm not about that. He's not your favorite He's prophet. He's least favorite prophet, actually. He's your least favorite prophet. I don't prophet. like him at all, actually. You don't like him at all? No. Have you met him? No, not met him personally. <laughs> it's, more, it's all business, not personal. No. It's all business, it's not personal. We're going to, hey, you guys have heard this story. If you've been around church for a while, we're going to study the story of Jonah. Over the next six weeks, we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into the three chapters that is Jonah. And we're going to really try to see what does it look like to maybe not follow what God has for you, but to still end up where God calls you to be. 
It's going to be cool. I'm excited to share with you guys. It, it, it starts next week. I've been prepping for a few weeks on this now, and um, I'm excited to do that with you. But today, I wanted to take this with you. I want you guys to take these with you. Hey, take a picture of it on your phone. Set it as your backdrop. Try to memorize these verses. These are such good verses. These are the verses that truly tell you how to be saved, how to live a life changed. And so we want to challenge you guys to do that today. Dive into your relationship with God. Okay? Can I pray over you? Let's pray. Father God, today I thank you for a chance for us to gather together. I thank you for Ben's word. God, I thank you so much, Lord. You challenge us to look at ourselves. God, don't, don't let us be like everyone else. Don't let us look like the church. Don't let us look like a Christian. God, let us be a Christian. Let us live it out, God. Let us share with our friends, Lord, faithfully. And when we don't understand, Father, let us be honest. Let us say we don't understand. And, God, let us find people in our lives who can pour into us, who can disciple us to show us, Lord, what it is to truly follow you, God, what it is to truly know you. And so, God, I thank you for that. I thank you for Ben's words here today. Let these words just pierce our heart and let us share as we celebrate our independence this week. God, I pray that, Lord, we'll also celebrate our independence from our sin because of what Jesus has done on that cross for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here. As Ben said, you are sent.